If you will, this morning, turn with me to our text. Our text will be found in the Gospel of Matthew, the 11th chapter and the 6th verse. Matthew 11, chapter 11, verse 6. It reads this way, And blessed is he, whosoever shall not be offended in me. Let us pray. O Lord, how great thou art, how merciful thou art, how faithful thou art. Lord, thou knowest today, standing with a heavy heart, knowing what's going on in the world. Lord, I pray that thou would be pleased in this hour that you would draw our minds to thee, that you would be pleased to ready our hearts for thy gospel, and Lord, that you would deliver it. I do pray for those brothers and sisters that are in great persecution in this hour, whether it is in the Ukraine or wherever it may be. Lord, I know that Thou art a faithful Lord, and I know that they need to hear the gospel this morning as well as we do. And I pray, Lord, that in that faithfulness, You would be that present help in this time. Lord, I know Thy you have your afflicted, you have your tried ones all over this world. And I pray that you would unite us all in the bond of thy spirit. This morning as we endeavor to read thy word and study thy word and hear thy word, that you would be pleased to glorify thy name. For this I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. What we have for us this morning is a beatitude that's not in the normal beatitudes. We all know that Matthew 5, Jesus started the Sermon on the Mount with blessed are these. And we know by now, I hope the Lord has taught us, that those are things that he's speaking to the child of God and what they have in him. And certainly this is no different when he says, Blessed is he whosoever shall not be offended in me. The word offended here does not mean what we think it means. It means stumbles. And I think if we're all true, and, and the Holy Spirit is pleased to reveal to us this morning that we have a nature, we have a problem, that we stumble a lot in this life. We stumble at many things. We stumble at fear. We stumble at unbelief. We stumble at the law. We stumble at things we think we should do or have to do. And, and the words that Jesus says this morning, he, he tells us something. He says, the blessed one is the one who doesn't stumble in Christ. And, and I think it lends to us to know that Paul said we have the mind of Christ. Truly, when we have the mind of Christ, we don't stumble. Those are the most blessed times on the face of this earth. Is when we can see clearly, and our eyes are upon the Lord. Faith is imparted and empowered in us. That we walk in Christ and we just see Him. We see Him reigning in all providential matters. We see that Romans 8.28 truly does work for our good because we see the King who's ordering and arranging all things for our soul. 
And this morning, these words that Jesus says, they're, they're timely for us. They're always timely. The Word of God is always timely. And you'll see that this morning. There's, there's such a dire need to hear the voice of the shepherd every day. Um, I want to first this morning take you to three places that introduce for us in the Word of God that the Lord Himself is a stumbling stone. And I think that helps us identify in our own lives when we stumble why it is that we stumble. We can't stand here today like the religionist does and just lives above the clouds, so to speak. Where he says, well, this means that the blessed man is the one who never stumbles. That's not what he says. What he's telling us is when our mind is stayed upon Christ and when we are kept in that position, there is no stumbling. And I hope you know the difference by this time in your life. The difference to when the Lord is blessing you with His faith, you aren't stumbling. You are mighty. You see the victory in Christ. You've laid hold of eternal life. But when we stumble, and all of God's children stumble, this passage today is about one of God's children who stumbled. We know that. And to be a religionist and to be a high-minded person, to think that that doesn't happen in the child of God's life, pretty well means you're not acquainted with sin. You're not acquainted with that plague that plagues the child of God in his life all of his days. And that fallen nature and the world that, that just pulls at us and the devil that attacks us on a constant basis. So if you will, we're going to start this morning in Isaiah chapter 8. Turn back there with me and we won't stay in each passage long. As I said, I'm just trying to introduce our Lord and Savior, as the Scriptures have introduced Him. This is important because He's called this in the Old Testament. It's very important because as the one that we see this morning's in prison, He's got these words. He's got the Old Testament. He knows that this is Christ. So in Isaiah 8, we pick up in verse 13. And Isaiah writes, Sanctify the Lord of hosts Himself. And let Him be your fear. And what it means by sanctify the Lord of hosts Himself, it means is the Lord different in your life than everything else? Or do you just compartmentalize everything? Well, this is my religious life. This is my, this is my life, that, that my work life. This is my entertainment life. In all of these times, we have these compartmentalized Ideas about how the Lord fits into every one of them. But that's not what the Scriptures teach us. The Scriptures teach us, as we see, sanctify the Lord of hosts to Himself. He is over all things in our life. And let Him be your fear. That's the beginning. The Lord has put His fear in our hearts. The fear of the Lord. The fear of upsetting the Lord, if you will, the fear of sinning, the fear of doing something wrong against this holy God. He has put that in our hearts. 
Let him be your fear and let him be your dread. And he shall be for a sanctuary, a hiding place. But for a stone of stumbling and for a rock of offense to both the houses of Israel, for a gin and for a snare to the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and many among them shall stumble and fall and be broken and be snared and be taken. This was the first introduction of the Lord being that stumbling stone. Now, many times it's mentioned in the Old Testament. That's the only one we'll look at right now. And now I want you to go to Romans 9. We'll just take these in order so it'll be easier to turn to these places. To where Paul mentions it. And if you look at the end of Romans 9 and verse 30, he says, What shall we say then? That the Gentiles which followed not after righteousness have attained to righteousness, even the righteousness which is of faith, which is the correct one, by the way. But Israel, which followed after the law of righteousness, has not attained to the law of righteousness. Wherefore? Why? Why have they not? Because they sought it not by faith, but as it were by the works of the law. So we have for us contrasted here what faith does. Faith brings us to Christ. Faith is what reveals to us that Christ is, is life and that Christ will fight for us and that Christ is our deliverer and Christ is is everything. But the works of the law, the works of a law of the law try to attain to a righteousness that we have a part in. Something that we do. And you'll hear that in yourself. You'll hear yourself if you ever can are given ears to hear how many times in a day or a week or whatever you speak about the things you've done. This is what I'll do. This is what I did for you. Those aren't that's not the those are the works of the law. What the Lord does in our soul, he try, he tells and shows the child of God it's all of him. Without me you can do nothing. So we have these two that he says wherefore they sought it not by faith, but as it were by the works of the law, for they stumbled stumbled at that stumbling stone. See, Christ is a stumbling stone. It's he, he's even a stumbling stone in our life. It's a huge stumbling stone for the flesh. It's a huge stumbling stone for that fallen nature. Because that fallen nature will not have Him to reign or rule over Him. Therefore, we have a warfare. Therefore, we stumble. Therefore, we stumble at the Word of God. And that's what's taking place here. For they stumbled at that stumbling stone. And when, when, when Peter in a minute will mention what we stumble at the Word, the purpose of that is everything that the Lord's revealed in here, just that very thing I said a minute ago. Christ said, without me you can do nothing. That's offensive to the flesh. That's offensive. Because if we stop to think about that, we start to entertain our mind. There's things I don't ask the Lord for. There's things I don't feel empowered by the Lord to do. There's things that, and that's that's when we start to stumble. We start to compartmentalize. Oh, there's something over here that I have to do. There's something over here the Lord has to do. And there's all a fallen religion right there. Religion. Not Christianity. Religion. 
He says, as it's written here in 30, Behold, I lay in Zion a stumbling block and a rock of offense, and whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. Now notice what that says. It doesn't say that they won't stumble. It says they won't be ashamed. Now, let God be true. As we stumble in this life, have you ever felt shame because of your stumblings? You know what I'm talking about. You react in the flesh. You react in not in faith. You doubt. You, you lash out. You, you don't believe. And when the Lord comes, even in His faithfulness, because He's faithful even when we're not, what comes for the child of God? It's shame. It's shame. How can I doubt the Lord over and over again? How can I doubt the one who's so faithful to me? And whosoever believeth on him, that's the life of faith, that's the living faith, shall not be ashamed. Now turn over to 1 Peter and we'll see what Peter says about it. Then we'll get to our text. First Peter chapter 2. Let's just begin in verse 6. Wherefore also it is, a, it is contained in the Scriptures. Yes, we've already seen that. Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he that believeth on him shall not be confounded. Same word as stumbled there. He that believeth on him shall not be confounded. Shall not stumble. Now, keep in mind our text where the Lord said, Blessed is the one. Blessed is he who shall not stumble in me. True statement. Absolute gospel. It is true that we are blessed of the Almighty. We are blessed in grace. We are blessed by the Lord when those times, when we're not stumbling. I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect precious, and he that believeth on him shall not be confounded. Because we're told in Hebrews, without faith it's impossible to please him. Unto you therefore which believe, faith, he is precious, but unto them which be disobedient, the stone which the builders disallowed, the same is made the head of the corner, and a stone of stumbling, and a rock of offense, even to them which stumble at the word. Now listen, this, these passages, I tell you, the religionists will come to them and read them and say, that's all those people out there outside of Christ. You know, I'm glad I'm not like those people. Those legalists, they, they, they stumble at Christ every day. And I don't dispute that. They're, they're, we have many of those. You know, our, our days are flooded with meeting those people. That stumble at Christ reigning. That stumble at Christ. But you and I. And that's what we're talking about today. Because Jesus directs these words to a believer. To one of his children. And so we have this for us. And he says. Um, Even to them which stumble at the word. Being disobedient. Whereunto also they were appointed. But ye the church are a chosen generation. A holy priesthood. A holy nation. A peculiar people that you should show forth the praises of Him who hath called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. And that's an absolute truth. That is our responsibility before God, is to show forth 
the love of Christ, the faith of Christ, the gentleness of Christ, the whole, everything that's in Christ. That is our responsibility before God. But we fall so short. Praise God today that our responsibility has been shifted to another who has performed all things for us, who could do all things that we could not. And because of Him, we can do all things. Now let's go to our text. Let's go to Matthew 11. This is what happens when we do stumble. Let's look at the beginning of it. And it came to pass when Jesus had made an end of commanding His twelve disciples. He had uh, sent them out. He had gotten them ready to go and preach the gospel in cities. And He told them, gave them instruction in what to do and what they would be up against. And, and now that time has ended. He departed thence to teach and to preach in their cities where they went. Now when John, that John is John the Baptist, had heard in prison the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples. So John is now, and you got to understand where John is. He's in prison. He's not getting out. This is where he's going to be beheaded. John is in a, a low state in his life. Uh, a time where there's nothing but doom in front of him, but he's sitting in a jail cell. Now think about that, and think about um, our lives and the life of a child of God, where this may be not as dire physically, but a lot of these times come to our lives where we don't see an end to what we're in, and we don't see a light at the end of the tunnel, so to speak. I'm sure, I'm absolute positive that our brothers and sisters that are in the Ukraine right now, who are under an enormous amount of persecution, an enormous amount of danger. There, there's a time in their life that, that they're doubting. And, and they need what we have for us in our passage today. And what we, I pray, we're praying for them. And we're praying for the situation. And we're praying for the Lord to intervene. Because truly, to not stumble at Christ in the totality of His Word, where He tells us that we will have persecution, where He tell, tells us that we will suffer. Those are things that we stumble at. That's the thing John is stumbling at, if you will. So as he's here in prison, he sends two of his disciples, and these are disciples that followed John everywhere he went. And he said unto him, Art thou he that should come, or do we look for another? Now, there's two reasons John sent them to Christ. And first and foremost is because, of course, he cares about his disciples. He knows his life is about to end as he's sitting in prison. And he knows that, that he must decrease and Christ must increase. That's what he told us. And he knows that he's not the way, the truth, and the life that Jesus Christ is. So he sends and he tells his disciples, basically, here's the one you need to be following. Okay? That's evident. So he sends them to him and says, Art thou he that should come, or do we look for another? 
But as you'll see in Jesus' answer, Jesus understands why John's asking the question. It's because John is at a low point in his life. John is looking at the walls around him. John is looking at the situation. John needs encouragement in the soul. John needs feeding. You ever feel that way? I know I do. And, and I, I think about the people of God in the Word. I, I think about those who lose sight of Christ. I think about Peter who, who was stretching forth and he's come out and he started to walk on the water and then he looked down at the water and he started to sink. We all can identify with that. When our eyes are upon the Lord, we're not sinking. But yet when our eyes are off the Lord and we're on the situation, we're sinking. And then I think about somebody like Elijah, a great prophet of God, who stood in the face of 850 false prophets of Baal. 850 of them. And he stood against all 850 of them, and he called his God out of heaven to work and to intercede for him, and he was so strong in faith to do it. And the Lord provided. And he provided a victory for Elijah and they destroyed and slew all 850 of those false prophets on the Mount of Carmel, 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 whatever it is. But then, just shortly after that, the Word of God tells us that there was one little woman who got angry with him and wanted to kill him, Jezebel. One little woman. And Elijah went up and sat under a tree and he begged God to kill him. 850 false prophets, strong. One little woman, weak. Is it really about the woman? Is it really? No, it's the fear of death. And as his eyes is not upon the Lord, not brought to the Lord, he looks at self and he pities self. Isn't that what we do? And so John is sitting in this place and he sends out this question and, and, and it's something we need to know before we go further about ourselves. Can we identify with this this morning? I hope so. But let's look at Jesus' answer. The faithful one, the great shepherd. Jesus answered and said unto them, Go and show John again. Oh, how important that is. You see his faithfulness? Yeah, we got religionists tell us that the Lord did a work and, and then we just are... We, he saved me. He gave me all these gifts. And now he's expecting me to... He leaves me and then I got I to gotta go and work out my salvation and I've got to... Make sure I stay on the path and I got No, listen to the word. Go and show John again. John's not ignorant of who Christ is. John, John baptized Christ. John saw the heavens open. He heard the voice of God say, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. John saw the miracles. John saw everything that Jesus did. But seeing miracles and, and reading the miracles in the Word of God 
And, and reading the Word as it's by itself, without the Holy Spirit, it doesn't do us any good. Jesus said, go and show John again. And we need that faith, that living faith, that faith that fights for us, we need it over and over again. As we see with Elijah. As we see with the disciples, as we see they follow Christ. Lord, we won't be offended in you. We'll follow you wherever you go. And then just shortly after that, they were all offended in him. And Jesus says, blessed is the man who's not offended in him. Does that mean all the disciples were lost and not children of God? No. Just one of them. But he wasn't there. And those 11 who fled and didn't follow Christ and were scared, they were offended. I, I know for a fact when Jesus looked upon Peter and he went and he wept, it was the shame of sin that overcame him. The shame of unbelief. Have you been there? John's at a very low time. Jesus said, go and show him again. Now Luke's account to this says that in that hour, Jesus was healing people still. He was healing and he was uh, performing miracles and casting out. Uh, he gave some sight. Physical things. Physical things. But now, go and show John again those things which you do here. And you do see. And now turn, well, it's turning the page of my Bible, but the next verse, listen to this. And here's the thing. You know, Jesus is standing before them and he's performing miracles. We know that miracles ceased with the apostles. That's what the Bible tells us. There's no miracles today, but spiritual miracles. When the Lord turns one from a way of, of, sin and debauchery and one who's dead and sins and trespasses and he gives them a new birth that's a spiritual miracle there are things that the lord does in providence today that are things we are bewildered at and we say wow you know the lord truly did something there and people call them miracles but the word is pretty pretty plain that the miracles stopped at that time so a physical miracle doesn't do us much good today, does it? We're not seeing Jesus do these things. It's by faith, by the faith of Christ, we look and see what he's done and what he can do, what he has done. And John, at this time in his life, as he's about to go and be martyred, seeing a miracle isn't going to help him any. Hearing that Jesus healed somebody across the street is not going to help him any. John's got a soul problem. We have a soul problem. And we need to hear the shepherd's voice. And what is it that the shepherd, in his faithfulness, teaches us? I'll show you. The blind receive their sight. Go and tell John these things. The blind receive their sight. In Psalm 146, 8... David writes, The Lord openeth the eyes of the blind, 
The Lord raises them that are bowed down. The Lord loveth the righteous. We have no eyes to see unless the Lord opens our eyes. We we quickly, I know, if you like me, one of my favorite passages are those two on the road to Emmaus that are walking right with Jesus. Oh, and they were burning within themselves. They knew something was different about this one they were walking with, and they were so distraught. And the Lord opened the scriptures and he showed them where it testified of him from Moses all the way down. And he gave them eyes to see. He opened their understanding. And they knew it was the Messiah. They knew it was Christ. He gives the blind. This is all in our, this is, well, this is what we are without Christ. This is the faithfulness of in Christ. Blessed is the man who's given sight. Blessed is the one who sees me. Is that true? Is your life different when you see Christ? And it's what he's hid from you? Is it? Or is life just the same even keel every day? Oh, I have my ups and downs as the world dictates my ups and downs. Well, that's not what the Bible's taught. That's not what Jesus is talking about. He makes the blind to see. That's not it. That lame walk. Isaiah 46, 3 and 4. Isaiah wrote, Hearken unto me, O house of Jacob, and all the remnant of the house of Israel, which are born by me from the belly, which are carried from the womb. And even to your old age, I am he. And even to your whore hairs will I carry you. I have made and I will bear Even I will carry and will deliver you. It's the Lord who carries us. It's the faithful shepherd to carry the lamb. He makes the lame to walk. Thomas said those very words to Jesus. Lord, Jesus, how will we know the way? How can we know the way to go? And what was it Jesus said to him? I am the way. I am the truth and I am the life. And no man comes unto unto the Father but by me. That's the way that we're talking about. I want you to hold your finger there as we're in the middle of this. I know we're going to come back here in a second. But turn with me over to Isaiah 35. I meant to do this before we started the words of Christ. But I I want you to read Isaiah 35 with me. And I'll try not to belabor too many things but I want you to see this Isaiah 35 reads this way the wilderness and the solitary place shall be glad for them and the desert shall rejoice and and blossom as the rose it shall blossom abundantly and rejoice even with joy and singing the glory of Lebanon shall be given unto it the excellency of Carmel and Sharon they shall see the glory of the Lord and the excellency of our God. Strengthen ye the weak hands and confirm the feeble knees. So to say to them that are of a fearful heart, be strong, fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance, even God with a recompense. He will come and save you. What is salvation? What is salvation for your soul this morning? Because that's all that matters. What is salvation? Fear the one 
Don't fear the one that can harm the body. We have a lot of fear of that. Fear the one who could throw the body and soul into hell. How about your soul? Listen to these words. He will come and save you. Listen. Then, then the eyes of the blind shall be opened. This is the work of Christ after salvation's been revealed. After He's revealed that we are in Christ, He opens the eyes. The, blind, the eyes of the blind shall be opened and the ears of the deaf shall be unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap as a heart and the tongue of the dumb sing. For in the wilderness, that's the barrenness of our soul, shall waters break up, break out. That's what Jesus said. In, in the child of God, there's living water as a fountain just springing up. That's life. It's the Holy Spirit revealing to us what life in Christ is. And streams in the desert. And a parched ground shall become a pool. And a thirsty land, springs of water, in the habitation of dragons where each lay shall be grass with reeds and rushes. That's fruit. That's abundance of grace in the soul. And a highway shall be there. And a way. And it shall be called the way of holiness. That's what he just told Thomas. I am the way. The way of holiness. The unclean shall not pass over it, but it shall be for those. Listen to who it's for, dear ones. It'll be for those, the wayfaring men, though fools, foolish in self, foolish in the ways of this world, foolish in trusting self, fools that fall into sin, fools that don't, what, that don't come after me. That don't seek me. Fools. Those are the ones I draw to myself. Those are the ones I will keep. Those are the ones that will hear my voice. Though fools, they shall not err therein. There's no error in Christ. There's no error when Christ is enabling us to walk in Him. Remember, we've contrasted those times in our minds and our souls when we see Christ. When Christ is revealed to us, there is no stumbling. The whole world could fall around around us, down around us, as it seems to be doing now. And yet, the Lord has stayed us upon Him. That's what I desire for those over there today. I desire for victory in their soul. The Lord reveals to them that I am with you. I will not forsake you. No lion shall be there. No roaring lion is pictured for us as the devil. Nor any ravenous beast shall go up thereon. It shall not be found there, but the redeemed shall walk there. They shall walk in Christ. That's His promise. We will walk in Christ. It's a living, a living faith. And the ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with songs and everlasting joy upon their heads. They shall obtain joy and gladness and sorrow and sighing shall flee away because of Him. And I doubt not one doubt in my mind that when these words were quickened to John, 
that all of his doubts and all of his fears and all of his sorrow were turned to joy. Turned to joy for the path that the Lord had ordained for him to die for Christ's sake. Back to our text. We saw the blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed. The lepers are cleansed. Leprosy is symbolic for sin and disease of the soul. And there's only one way to be cleansed, and that's by the blood of Christ. John says in Revelation 1.5, And from Jesus Christ, who is a faithful witness, and the first begotten of the dead, and the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. They shall be cleansed. The lepers shall be cleansed. And the deaf hear. We hear his voice. Because we're deaf. We're deaf to it. Because all we hear is our voice. We hear the voice of the world. We hear the voice of others. We hear, and it causes us to stumble. Oh, but when we're given ears to hear, John 10, 16, and 27 says this, And other sheep I have which are not of this fold, them also I must bring, and they shall hear my voice. That shall means it's 100% certainty. And there shall be one fold and one shepherd. Singleness of voice heard. My sheep hear my voice and I know them. And they follow me. They follow after that voice in the power of the shepherd. Mark 7, 37 says, And they were beyond measure astonished, seeing he hath done all things well. He maketh both the deaf to hear and the dumb to speak. He truly does do all things well. And that brings us to the dead are raised up. You know, I think about this time as the Lord healed uh, or touched the buyer of the the son of the widow at Nain. And people saw it. I mean, they were all grieving and they were the buyer was the thing they put the dead body in and as they were carrying it, Jesus just touched the side of it. And the boy sat up. And that was a miracle and everybody saw that he did that miracle. That's what He does in our soul. It could be the deadest. We could be just so caught up in self or so saddened at the things that we see. And He just comes and touches the soul with Himself. With Himself now. That's it. That's, the, that's our sufficiency. That's what we need. Christ to come to the soul. And when He does, there's a whole new... There's just joy. And the sorrow does flee to life. We know that the Lord is the quickened who gives us life. John eleven twenty five, of course, says, Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection unto Martha and the life. Two things there. I give life over death and I'm the continuousness of life. We need that resurrection applied more than once. Go tell John again. John knows. John knows Jesus is the Lord. He knows it. This isn't an ignorant statement. He knows it. But he's stumbling, just as we all do. 
I am the resurrection and the life, and he that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. You know, we have those dead times in this life. Oh, I'm thankful for the new birth. Don't get me wrong. Without it, I'd never have these times. I, I, I would be always dead. I wouldn't care anything about Christ. I wouldn't care anything about my soul. And I wouldn't care anything about seeing Him. And I, couldn't, I wouldn't even care about the people of God who are suffering today. But with Him and by Him and through Him, I do care. Because of His love. Because of His faithfulness and His resurrection and life and power in the soul. And finally, the poor have the gospel preached to them. Yes, we're poor. Poor in spirit. Matthew 5, 3 says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, the humble, the meek, for theirs is the kingdom of God. And that kingdom has a king. And that king is reigning. And that is what is promised in that beatitude I just read to those that are poor in spirit. Jesus said, it's them that I preach the gospel to. What was going on in John's soul? Was he poor in spirit? Was he being humbled at this time? Absolutely. Absolutely. So here, after saying all these things, the blind receive their sight and the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear, the dead are raised up and the poor have the gospel preached to them. Then he says our text. And blessed is he, whosoever shall not be offended in me. And that time's coming for John. When the, when the Holy Spirit quickens to him the voice of his shepherd. When he hears what Christ is. And that time comes for us in the faithfulness of the shepherd to bring, to bring us away from our stumbling. And you think... You know, it's easy for us to identify with stumbling over fear. You know, you hear about war, you know, and, and no matter what age you are, I mean, you still have that fear of it coming to, to here, you know, and disrupting our lives and taking away this precious time we have, and all of our minds just start to go in fear. And, and those things... Those things are, are obvious to us that cause us to stumble. But there are times we lose sight of the totality of Christ. And we lose and we slip, back, get back and we slip back into that mindset. There's something I need to do for Christ. Or there's something required of me when he's done it all. It is finished. What does he require of the child of God? Well, he requires a lot but he's done it all for them. And I pray the Lord impresses that upon us this morning and causes us not to stumble because that's where the true blessing is in this life. When we see him, we see him reigning and we see him lifted up high over any situation. May the Lord be pleased to impress that upon us that he is the Lord of a life. He's the Lord of our sight. He causes us to walk. He cleanses us of our unrighteousness. He gives us ears to hear. 
He causes us to live. And He shows us the richness that we have in Christ because we're totally dependent upon Him. Dear Heavenly Father, most gracious Lord, add Thy power and Thy comfort for Thy people no matter where they are in this world today. Lord, comfort our souls. Cause us, Lord, not to stumble. Keep us, Lord, by Thy word and by Thy power. And Lord, may You keep our eyes upon Thee. Give us that mind, the mind of Thee, Lord, that we may see Thee reigning. And Lord, in those times that we do stumble, we pray, Lord, that Thou would pick us up as the good and faithful and great shepherd and bring us back to Thee to do all of these things, to give us eyes and ears and a voice to call out and praise Thy name. For this I ask in Jesus' name. Amen.